Hey everyone, in this chapter I sit with Tara Ahmad, very nice, honest and genuine conversation. I hope you enjoy it and if you want to see the video version, you can find it on my YouTube channel. Hello Tara. Hi. <laughs> so we decided to do this in English. Yeah, we did. And we will subtitle it in Arabic. Great. Yeah. Uh, just because I feel it will flow a bit more. Hopefully. فسمحولنا يعني بس بنتكلم بالانجليزي اليوم. If we feel uh, saying something in Arabic, we can do that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, we'll start we with, be flexible. Uh, I think, a very simple question, but not one that people, I noticed, pay attention to. Okay? So, honestly, how are you really doing? Currently hmm? or generally? Whatever you want. Um, currently, I'm struggling with a lot of... Uh, issues related to self-love so this has been something that I've been really working so hard and it's it's nowhere near easy and um, last year was very um, basically horrible for me in every single sense it was not good uh, work-wise it was not good emotionally wise uh, physically I got a lot of injuries I couldn't train at all for an entire year And training for me was like working out sports and uh, all of that was, I can say, an escape and a way that I can let out all the negative energy, let out all the anger that I had in me. And when I wasn't able to do that, I couldn't be distracted. So I had to face every single emotion, every single feeling that I would, that had, that I, that I had coming at me, I had to face it. And I was not good with that. So... I'm just basically recovering from last year and I'm still struggling with a lot of self-love. Like I'm still trying to find how can I love myself? How is that something that I'm lacking? How is that something that just now I'm waking up to? So it's an everyday struggle where it's really impacting me, my relationships with everyone around me. It's uh, impacting me mentally like It's impacting the way I perceive myself, so it's not easy to, like, every day when I get up and I have an event, for instance, it's not easy to go down and show up. It takes a lot of, like, mental preparation. It takes a lot of inner talk that I do every single day. In short. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. You answered it well. Okay, so uh, to what you said. One is self-love. Why do you feel or think or assume it's lacking? Uh, I guess there are a lot of aspects to that. Um, I realized as a young girl, um, when I was a teenager, I hated how I look. I hated my body. I hated everything about it. I was never good enough. I used to model back then. I stopped modeling for about three or four years now. But wouldn't modeling like, prove to you that you do have a good physique or face? It should, right? Or it should, right? It should. Assumingly. But it was doing the complete opposite. I was constantly in a struggle of, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to make it. I'm fat. I'm huge. I'm just horribly built. So I was never comfortable with my image. I was never comfortable with my body growing up. and. As a kid in school, I was always bullied, so that was a big part of where the self-hatred came from. And even though I loved modeling, 
And I did see myself as beautiful when I see covers or when I see pictures, but it was just never that. It was never good enough, and it was never uh, up to the standard that the industry at that time, when I used to model 10 years ago, was depicting. It's much different now. Mm. So then you had a specific standard size that you had to abide or you're not going to make it. And this was always my issue. I was always somewhere in between making it and not making it because I'm not that size. So I guess it all stemmed from there. And once I stopped completely modeling, I'm like, I want to focus on acting and I want to do more sports. I want to love myself. I want to learn how to love my body. I've been working on that, but I realized that I'm not always kind to myself when I speak, like my inner voices are not always kind. There's a lot of, who do you think you are? You're really not going to make it. Do you think you deserve to be here? Do you think you deserve this recognition? Do you think uh, you're worth this rec recognition? So this is what makes me realize that I still have a lot of work to do regarding self-love. And um, um, I was hearing a podcast that was saying uh, the whole self-love thing is like a very new generation thing that people are like preaching about. But actually, I don't feel that way about it because you can love someone and think that you love them, but you are looking for love outside of yourself most of the time, then you don't love yourself. So even if that person loves you back, you're not going to understand that love because you don't know how to receive love. Mm. So I've been in this struggle where I'm trying to find, uh, do I love myself enough that I don't constantly seek love outside of me and I don't seek approval outside of me? I'm good enough on my own and I'm even even if I'm in a relationship for instance I'm good enough in, on my own and I don't need that person to validate my existence. So. Absolutely. Um yeah, so many topics from the first question actually. Um self-love. I think look, you said a lot of things that I like to preach. One is uh, the codependent relationships are very dangerous, right? Uh, I'm missing, I have holes in me, I'm looking for somebody to fill them. It's already an unachievable method. True. Because I can't fill, fill these holes. Then I'm, that's why you see a very addictive love. Exactly. I need him, without him I'll kill myself. Like you hear stupid shit, and you're like, no, you'll be fine. Believe me, you'll stay alive. And, and you hear all of these overdramatic. you can't see it. Yeah, you're of course like from outside it's easy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and something I always believe in is you cannot give what you don't have properly. So I can't give love if I don't have it for myself. I can't give if I don't have it. Sure. So it's so important to learn to be at peace with ourselves and then to have somebody add to us, not complete us. Exactly. Add. You add. Absolutely. You make, you elevate my life. Great. You elevate it, but you don't complete it. Exactly. You don't so, save me and I don't You save. also mentioned <laughs> you mentioned anger that you were stuck in a period because your exit or the way you released tension and stress or anger as you use that word was through exercise. But when you didn't have it, it started to be contained in you, which is very dangerous, can make you depressed, can make you sad, lethargic, whatever, right? Um why anger, though? What's making you angry? Uh, what's making me angry? Well, 
I guess there are a lot of things that can make a person angry, but what makes me angry is um, the need to be constantly uh, doing work, even though if I'm doing work and I'm, I don't feel that it's enough, I feel angry, angry. But angry is a big word, Tara. You can myself. be disappointed. I know, but, but I angry, guess... angry, you chose that word. Yeah, I guess I chose anger because... Um, I'm not sure how to explain it, but... Try. I'm trying. <laughs> mm. I'm trying, but it is a very big word. And it affects me uh, in a way that kind of blinds me, I guess. So mm. I'm angry at myself or angry at a person, for instance. So. You're very hard on yourself. <laughs> very hard on myself. But maybe it's part of your fabric and it what, it's what yeah. got you to do what you do today. It's probably that. So I I would, I'm not condemning. Too. No, not um, at all. But I am definitely hard on myself. And that's why sometimes I prefer to be kinder. You use, you use the word human in your Instagram. Yeah. You said your nationalities. Yes. But that was the first thing that attracted me. Two things attracted me to your profile when I first <laughs> entered. One was the word human. Because I like to say that nationality is not something you want. You were born, it's not a choice. So when people are like, yeah, I'm proud to be American or Italian, sure, it didn't win a race to get it. Um, I like to focus on the human element. So my first question, and then I'll tell you the second thing I liked. The first question is, why did you use the word human? Um, I feel the word human for me means that I want people or I want I want to show myself as just a fellow human who is walking their path on this earth, who is having their happy days, having their sad days. Um, I'm having my ups and my downs, struggles, my like pride and joy times. So I'm just a fellow human. I'm not someone who is unreachable, someone who is like perfecting everything constantly. I'm not someone who is... Um, not relatable, basically. Mm. So this is what I've always strived for. I want to be someone who is relatable and who can you can communicate with, who you can feel that you connect with. So I guess human just encompasses this idea of uh, we're all the same in the end of the day and there's nothing like I do appear on TV, I do appear in the cinema, I appear on billboards and magazines, uh, you do your work, she, he does their work. It's just different part of our identities, but we are all humans in the end. Hmm. Good answer. Second thing I noticed was the picture. <laughs> it was a silly bio picture of you making yeah. a face. And it got me curious. Why would a beautiful woman, out of all the photo shoot pictures she has, some of them probably extremely vibrant with yellow, pink, or whatever that can be really attractive to the eye. Put a pixelated, <laughs> silly face. Oh, uh, yeah. I have my own assumptions, but I'll ask you. Yeah, you do? Mm. Honestly, I don't know. Like, uh, it's a, a friend of mine took the picture, and uh, I came across it. It was like a year or two ago. I came across it, and I'm like, oh, that's a different side of me, I guess, that I don't post about. I have a very like, 
it's a struggle for me to post stuff on social media. So I'm like, oh, there's something interesting, I guess, that that angle, it's like a very awkward angle. No one saw before. So I'm like, yeah, that looks silly. And I appreciate silliness. Like I appreciate awkwardness and silliness in my life and in other people's lives. Mm. So I guess it's kind of a silly picture that I Do you feel uncomfortable if somebody compliments you, says, hey, you're you're really gorgeous or beautiful? Slightly, yeah, I get Mm. slightly awkward. Um, I don't know why, but it's like, you're beautiful. Happy birthday, (laughs) good to see you. But I'm I'm learning to say thank you. And Mm. uh, earlier I used to be like, no, I'm just like, you know, all messy. But then I realized that's a very negative way to perceive Perceive yourself. So I just say thank you and appreciate it for now. Because the first question answered my last question just now. The self-love. Like, I'll tell you what it is. One, you don't think you deserve being this beautiful sometimes. I think so. Mm-hmm. That, that when you, that's why it makes you uncomfortable. If somebody tells you you're really beautiful, you don't know what to do with that compliment. Do you get offended? Do you get irritated? Do you say thank you? What do I do with that compliment? And then your inner voice, which seems to be the one who's usually your obstacle, is telling you, no, you're not that beautiful. Don't think you're that special. So then I'm relating self-love, the challenge you have, with a picture where instead of choosing a gorgeous picture that you know will get you followers and curious eyes and all of that, you're like, no, fuck that. I'm not gonna put this one. I'm gonna show them a silly side of me, which is part of your personality. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But you're making a point to show it loudly. And it's very interesting. Like for me, the psychology behind that's kind of like, I love the quirkiness of it, but I think it's also self-sabotage. Like Maybe, I haven't thought of it that way. But I had another picture like a few days ago, no, a week ago. It was like a picture from a I appreciate this one. But I don't know, I just felt like... And I think it makes you human. That's changed. The new picture, I don't know the other one. Yeah, exactly. It makes you relatable and it complements what you just said, that I want people to think, okay, I'm silly, I'm also normal. But it's interesting, the psychology behind it all. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about your childhood. How was it? My childhood. um, My childhood was a very happy childhood. Uh, I spent most of my summers in Montenegro, my mom's country, Hmm. uh, at the beach um, with my late grandma, with my uh, entire family. And um, I went there and I'd stay the entire summer to learn the language, learn all the songs, meet all my cousins. I have like hundreds of cousins there. And we'd go to the mountains. I love going to the mountains. I'm such an outdoor person. I love staying at home, but I love hiking and just walking and all that. So it was always three months of joy. And... um, the other side was school. I wasn't really the happiest kid at school. It was a lot of bullying. It but was... why would you be bullied? Because you're tall, maybe? Yeah, as a kid, I, I sprouted like all of a sudden. So I guess that's why I was bullied. And um, I was always like the goody two shoes, but I'd like pinch kids <laughs> silently. So mm. that was where... One hair yank, like yeah, without... Yeah, like I was... Up. 
always the goody two shoes that would be like doing like everything good. But if, did you for sit instance, in the front or in the back or in, in the, the back? Okay. In the back. But I was also I was not sabotaging, but I wasn't always very very nice to my friends. Like I'd pinch them. I. I don't know. <laughs> was it the, like the bad type of bully, bullying or like basic, just annoying? No, it was bad because it lasted for the, like 10 years of my school uh, okay. like period. And it was bad because as a kid, um, you don't exactly understand the psychology behind bullying. Like there was not, we didn't have a counselor where they'd go and talk to us and tell us, hey, this kid, he he's lonely, he doesn't feel good, so he's picking on you because he doesn't have anything better to do with his time. Mm. You just think that you're the wrong one, you think that you're the one that deserves to not come to school, to be bullied, that you deserve this bullying, that you deserve to be disliked, and that you deserve to not have friends. Mm. So. It just took a lot of time to grow out of that. And um, it built traits in me later on that I'm still trying to get rid of till now. So it's just like very... It's crazy. Like so many of the interviews that I've done, I mean, she'll she'll tell you, Nikki, the bullying thing is such a big thing. It is. It's huge. Like it's huge and nobody really... And every time I hear it, I'm like, Again, like what? Again, like it's such a common thing, and it plays a big role True. in the, it shapes the shapes, you. It shaping shapes a personality. You. Yeah, and yeah, you sabotage yourself because you believe that that's what you should be doing because that's what's been happening in school, and then you hate school, and it's just a vicious cycle that doesn't end. Like I've got out of it in time, but there's a trait, for instance, that uh, like I don't feel comfortable when I remember those days in school, it's annoying. And whenever I see someone being bullied, like from the kids, or uh, if I get uh, a school calling me, hey, would you like to talk about bullying? I'm like, yes, definitely. So it's very hard to reach those kids and tell them and to explain, and it's a work in progress. So Mm. I preach about it whenever I can. So a good childhood overall? Yeah. You have siblings? No, I wish, I wish mm. I had siblings. That's How was your uh, relationship with your parents? Uh, well, relationship with my mother is uh, very good. Uh, we're very different human beings. Uh, however, she was always, I always, always say that she is the, like, she's the one that was holding me throughout all the years whenever I was, like, falling apart or deciding that I'm going to give up my career, deciding that I do not want to act, deciding that this is not for me. Or like when I decided to take a a one-year gap from uh, between school and university to like think what I want to study and then on to a second year, she was always extremely supportive. Nice. So that's, I'm so blessed to have a supportive parent. I hear stories where parents aren't supportive, where parents don't believe in their kids, where the parent wants to shape the kid in a way that they want them to be. So whenever I think of that, yeah, yeah. it's very selfish. And I honestly feel blessed in that area because Mm. uh, my mother let me be what I want to be. She never forced something on me. She never forced an identity. 
You want to go study business, go study business. You want to change and go study literature, have fun. You don't want to study any of that. You want the gap here? Well, good for you. You. So she was always supporting. She'd always ask me questions. Why are you doing this? How are you doing this? Is this something you want? So that's, that's very something very good. Fortunate. Definitely. Single mom? Yes. That's why you didn't talk about the... Yes. Is there any relationship with the father or no? Absolutely not. Oh, that's a solid answer. <laughs> I'll, I'll switch, but not completely. So when I got the research uh, yesterday from Nikki, um, I went through it, and then I do my own bit. So I'll go through an Instagram, I'll go through YouTube, I'll see some... And I, I texted you because I had some questions. Yeah. Um, but then I noticed there are two things that people are hunting or they're curious about. One is your romance, your love life, which is a very typical Hollywood, Bollywood, uh, whatever. Everyone wants to know. And then it was the father, 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 father. And I'm like, one side of me is thinking, why don't you just leave her? She wants to answer, she'll answer. She doesn't want to answer, she won't. And then one side, I'm like, if she never addresses this, will they ever stop? Is it does she have to put it to bed or she can't put it to bed because maybe her mother is involved? Or... So it was vague, but I'm like, you know what? You seem like a very honest person. Let me put it out there. And then you address it in whatever way you want to address it. How would you, because I'm sure people are curious. I have my issues with my family and good and bad and challenges, but I think it's important for people who like you, as Tara, to know your take on it, your opinion. About what exactly? <laughs> About the father. Let's start with that one, then love. Um, well, I don't talk about my father. It's just a topic that I'm not comfortable talking about. And I guess um, I haven't had many people honestly ask me like anything related to uh, the other parent. Um, my mom's always been the one that I preach about and the one that I talk about. So I guess they kind of got it that she doesn't want to talk about her father. But yeah, he's not in the picture and never was. So Like zero memories? Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you think, for me, this is interesting. Do you think that causes a father gap or daddy issues? Or uh, absolutely. It can. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> I'm human. I'm not a robot. So, of course, no, it happens. I, I ask it as a yeah. very um, practical question. And I'll tell you why. I, I'm, a, I'm divorced. So, sometimes I used to think, when my kids will draw a happy home, they have to draw two homes. And does it make Majid feel weird or awkward that he has to say, the father is in this house that you know I visit sometimes, and then the mother is in this house, because everybody else is drawing, or eighty percent is one house, you know, mom, dad, kids, dog, whatever, right? And I'm like, I hope it doesn't, but because it's the typical norm or what we made normal, it can make him feel like, mm, unless I try to tell him, Baba, Habibi, you have you know two houses, you have two loving families, your parents are still happy. Everybody's good, you're healthy, you know, that perspective. And that's what I do. And we have a very civil, you know, uh, beautiful, peaceful relationship. I mean, that's better than having a horrible relationship of being under one roof. I always say, I'd rather, when my parents got divorced, I said, somebody said, oh, it didn't bother you, didn't affect you. Like, 
No, I'd rather see them divorced and happy than together and miserable exactly. any day. Exactly. So if I come back to you, you live, you live mostly in an Arabic uh, society, right? Knowing that everybody has a, a dad figure, mother figure, but I don't. How does it play? Um, not well in my childhood, I guess, because I was always missing out on a lot of things that they do related to fathers. So it was very interesting for me as a kid to see, uh, hey, I'm going fishing with my dad. Hey, I'm going to, I don't know, uh, Ramadan uh, spent to spend it with my dad. Hey, I'm going to Eid, I don't know what, with my dad. So all of that for me was a very foreign concept. And I did not exactly deal with it or understand it up till very recently. What does so, that mean? What is recently? This is where the anger comes from, that it just... It pisses me off more often than not. So I just realized recently that there's a lot of issues related to that topic that I have to internally deal with. So that person is gone. I need to deal with that and understand that this is what it is. And I can't keep putting all my, uh, like, it's not something that I hang my bad experiences on or bad decisions on. It's not a, a place where I just put stuff and, oh, that's the black point in my life and that's all the wrong that is happening. So I just need to take, uh, take responsibility for my actions and not hang all my bad decisions on Did that. your mother talk to you about it when you were a kid because you feel there's no figure? Mm. Did she know how to address it to you? A bit. Yeah. Because if she there. doesn't, you're going to be making theories and assumptions. Yeah, I guess I did not ask enough as much as, as I ask now. But yeah, there were definitely talks when I was earlier. There Do was you forgive him? Um, that's something I'm working on because uh, I'm, that's something I'm working on literally yesterday <laughs> started. But that's, that's something, uh, yeah, that's something I'm working on because uh, I've, through that, I'm forgiving myself because no one's getting harmed but myself. I'm, I'm not asking questions as a gossiper. I'm so far from that. I'm just asking because I love psychology and I think also everybody watching this who has a similar or single parent or lost a parent, they will connect. Absolutely. And it's important for them to know, I think one of the most important feelings in life is to know that you're not alone. One of the most. That Even I remember when I did the surgery on this leg, nobody got it in my surrounding because nobody went through it. And it was really difficult. So I, I remember going to the internet and finding a forum of people having ACL and it was so nice. Long. And we would chat because yeah. he gets it and he, she gets it and we talk and made me feel so much better. So. Of this is the reason I'm, I'm we poking. We love to feel that we belong somewhere. It's kind of an innate feeling that I think to feel we're a part of a group, we're a part of an idea, we're a part of uh, like a zone. It's, it's a good feeling to know that you're not alone. Yeah, that somebody gets it. Yeah. Or feels for you. True. So, my, so why I'm trying to understand this, did you ever meet him? Yeah. Oh, you met him? Yeah. Okay, so I think it makes it more difficult. Because if you've never know. met him, then there's you the can idea. build you can build the hero, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you do meet him, then you have a benchmark or a reference, and True. then you have to deal with it, and you have to forgive him for choosing not to be in your life or 
I don't know if your mom kicked him out, whatever it is, that's not important. But it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic, like how to deal with that. Yeah. You know, and I know you don't want to say Indeed. much. Indeed. <laughs> like, yeah. Good times. Mm. But what happened yesterday that made you feel I need to start, forgive him? Um, it was just something that I've been <laughs> waiting to tap into. Mm. So it's like super fresh. Is it scary to tap into it? Yeah, because when you're accustomed to feel a certain feeling towards someone for so long, then all of a sudden decide that, hey, this feeling is not harming that person as much as you think. It's only mm. harming you and it's only blocking you and it's only making you feel miserable. Mm -hmm. So how about that you let go of that feeling and decide not to feel it. It's so scary because you've been this person that's been feeling this specific feeling for so long that you don't even know yourself without that. Absolutely. Feeling. So, um, <laughs> I think it can weigh on you. Of course. It's a weight. Of course. Like a, I'm not saying I'm a huge believer of timing. So the fact that you True. thought about this yesterday means you're at a certain point in your life where you're ready for that step, even if it's a scary step. I'm not going to say, oh, well, I should have done this three years ago. I hate, kind, I hate, I hate hearing that. Yeah. No, I do it when timing time is, is, right. is correct. Yeah. And I think, I don't want you to start thinking that, well, Tara, you should have done this because you would have flourished in modeling. Or, because it's a very normal way to think, oh, what if I forgave it 10 years ago? I don't do what ifs. Yeah, it's something it's that dangerous. I stick by. It's like... What ifs are not, like, I never leave a chance for a what if. And even if the thought comes, it's like very foreign to me. I'm like, no, I'm a big believer of what's meant to be will be at the right time that it's supposed to be happening. So You're brave. Yeah, I'd like to think so. More than you think. Good. <laughs> I think so. Um, I'll switch to another topic. You made a U-turn, I would say. You had a crossroad between doing acting and doing modeling. You were going for a modeling thing, got a really good gig, you turn. Exactly. And it was a crossroad, right? Or a... Um, I've always wanted to act. Mm. Uh, acting's been my dream ever since I was like three years old. Uh, and I love modeling too. I just love the idea of being on TV, being behind the camera. I was always very comfortable being like in front of, not behind, being in front of the camera. I was always posing. I was always ready. There's not a single picture of me as a kid where I'm not looking at the camera, where I'm not realizing that the camera is taking a picture, where I'm not smiling. So I've always been very comfortable in front of it. So it really helped my modeling career. And I started very young. I started when I was 14. Uh, at the time in Egypt, uh, it was very foreign for a 14-year-old to be modeling. Now there's 13, 14, 15, and it's much more Normal. Uh, known. And the business is flourishing way more than it was when I started. So it's very foreign. It, I was like the baby of the industry. And everyone was calling me the baby of the industry because I was super young and it just didn't make sense. Um, I was very good. I traveled a lot. I've been to Paris. I've been to Germany, uh, to yeah, France, Germany, Tunisia. Like I've been in so many countries where I did lots of modeling gigs, lots of cool campaigns, lots of covers. Uh, but 
in between, I was in Egypt doing uh, auditions and castings for series and films. Like mm. acting was always there. I dreamt of being an actress, an actor in the industry. When I got like from one audition to the other, I was being let down a lot. Like I went to hundreds of auditions and I get a call back and then I'd never hear from them again. But I was very persistent. And I started also doing TV ads, which helped a lot to have my face recognized. And mm. they're like, oh, this girl from this ad, we want her in this other ad. So from one ad to the other, I got a C TV series gig. Uh, it was a very, very tiny role. And I was so scared. I was very nervous. Uh, I wasn't speaking properly. I had a very high-pitched voice, probably from how nervous and anxious and scared I was. So it was just a very like scary uh, uh, role that I took for me. And after that, I got another role and another role. And then I went on to more auditions that I wasn't getting anything. So I was, it was what, 2013, 14, I guess. And I decided I'm going to take a full year to, you know what, focus on my modeling career in France. Mm. I have a cousin there and I'm going to be with her for a full year. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. This is good. Um, I was thinner than I am now. And now I lost a lot of weight. Uh, I was thinner, but still I was like gigantormous for the industry. So I remember going to the, uh, to this agency in Paris. And they're like, oh, hi, yeah, you're good, but you can't do runway because you're a bit fat, so you can do photo shoots. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, it's fine, I'll lose weight, don't worry. So I was obsessed with the idea that I could get skinnier. Mm -hmm. the, but I wasn't really working towards it, which is just so weird for me. Like, I wasn't, I convinced my mom to get me a treadmill. I barely ever used it. I hate that machine. I was eating a lot because I was a teenager. Hormones were flying all over the place. But now that I think about it, I was not obese. I was not like eating food like there was no tomorrow. I was just eating in moderate amounts. But my body just does not lose weight after certain like, mm. like I don't know, no, kilograms. No. It just yeah. doesn't go after that. But that idea was not acceptable for me. I spent a month in Paris. I signed, I was gonna sign the next day with that agency to stay for a year to like do gigs for them and all that. And I get a call from my mom. She's like, so, uh, the series, they requested to have you with them in Ramadan. I'm like, what? <laughs> you turn. She's like, yeah, and they want to see you tomorrow. I'm like, I'm signing the contract tomorrow. This is my dream. I'm signing a big contract with a big, like modeling agency in Paris. She's like, yeah, I guess you decide what you want to do. Interesting. Next day I was in Cairo signing the papers for the series. Mm. And that's literally where my career took off from that step. You're happy I did not that. dream of that. I was very happy. No, now. Now, and yeah, very, very happy. It was a decision that I took where I'm like, okay, I could either be here and flourish in modeling, hopefully, or you know what? I didn't know anything about the character, let alone of the people on just the set. The I just knew that he was doing a TV series <laughs> and he wants me in the TV series. I'm like, Done. sounds good for me. 
You mentioned the, the modeling requirements and all of that, and I think you were uh, part of a Miss Teen competition, right? Yeah. Do you think these Miss Teen, Miss Universe, Miss whatever, do you think they're overrated competitions that, I don't know, overexpose women and uh, in a very physical manner? Yes, they ask them uh, political questions or what's their dream, uh, but... Do you think it makes other women just watching it insecure? I have a very different opinion of beauty pageants now than I had 10 years ago. As a kid, I was infatuated by the idea of Miss Universe. Universe. I was like, I have to go to Miss Universe. I want to represent Egypt. I want to be there. I think this is a great idea. And it was like a big place where dreams come true as a teenager and as a kid. Uh, I went to the competition. I, I got the title of Miss Teen Egypt at the age of 17. It was, there were no other contestants. The uh, modeling agency that I was at, they had to choose a girl because the travel, like the competition in Brazil was in a week. So they chose me. Uh, I was the only 17 year old model in the industry back then. So they chose me and I flew to Brazil completely oblivious of what am I supposed to do at pageants. So I went there and the girls, they had uh, their trainers, their designers, their makeup artists, their managers, their agents. It was like an entire entourage and I was just there by myself. So I looked like a complete kid next to them because they were 16, 17, 18 and 19 year olds. They looked completely different than I did. So it was like a shock. I remember calling my mom crying. I'm like, I don't know how to put eyeliner. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I had one green eyeliner that I was like just using the entire time wherever I go. Uh, I learned a lot. But after that, I thought that I was going to want to go to Miss Universe because that's like the step after it. But I'm not someone who currently appreciates uh, I guess, beauty pageants or supports them as much as I did when I was a kid, I guess, because I didn't know better. Now, I'm not a fan, I would say. Um, I can't exactly pinpoint why, and I don't want to be, like, hateful towards that industry. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to either. I guess everyone decides for their own, but I, I just decided that that is not for me anymore. Like, I had my share of what a beauty pageant is. And honestly, it was amazing. I still have some friends that I like stay in touch with from like all over the world. Uh, it was just very eye-opening. It was very different. It was a very like small competition, Miss Global Teen in Brazil. It was a very small, like intimate competition uh, compared to what Miss Universe or Miss World is. But it's just not for me anymore. And I had several, uh, like several people ask me, hey, you're the perfect applicant. Why don't you go? I'm like, it's not for me. They're like, but it is you. This is your dream. I'm like, well, dreams change. So I guess I kind of grew out of the bubble of how I want to be seen and how I hmm. want to portray myself as a woman. Are you for plastic surgeries? I knew you'd ask me that. <laughs> Uh, for myself, no, I'm not. 
but I wouldn't want, like, I don't want to judge anyone who does them. I've seen your interview with Asil and where yeah. she was talking about what fake is and whose standard of fakeness are we abiding by. So fake, someone could see, like she said, hair extensions fake or lashes fake huh. or like injecting their lips or their cheeks or whatever fake. So I guess it just depends on what do you accept and Ms. what Tara, do come you on. accept is it for subjective? yourself? Is it, it's not that subjective. I know, but... When, if you have a daughter... And at 15, she wants to do procedures. I wouldn't, not, I wouldn't be supportive. Ab- I definitely yeah. wouldn't be supportive. But I mean, 15... Isn't it alarming that a 15-year-old feels the need is. that I'm not enough? Yeah, then I should address that, definitely. Yeah. And makeup. Okay, makeup is a huge industry, sure. But a guy can know. be a bum in a supermarket. A woman, no, she's dressed up and try. I not all of them, not generalizing. that we're abiding by. It's just a standard that the magazines, that the social media puts. Like I find it really scary. It is very scary. I completely... Even men, by the way. I don't want this topic to yeah, be only about... I know. Women. Men I find, are doing procedures. I know. I find 15 and 16 and 14-year-olds who are injecting themselves, their lips, their eyebrows, their I don't know what. And... For me, it is scary because when I was 15, I was in a very different place. I was not thinking about injections Mm. at all. But now, social media is really hovering over us and over our ideas. And we are constantly being bombarded with uh, tips on how to be more beautiful, tips on how to make your lips more pouty, tips on how to make your hair more... I don't know what tips on how to lose weight, how to gain weight. So this is a big industry. Mm. And and it's built on insecurity. And it's built 100% on mm. insecurity. So you should take what you want and need from it. And also for your kids, like for instance, for my future kids, I would like to have them disciplined in a way that they take from that the social media in the future only the bits that are good for them and not just completely accept everything that's being thrown at them. Mm. So You reminded me of a question I forgot. What? Because when I said there are two things that people are after, the romance and this, I don't want to ask about the romance. <laughs> I think that's just for gossip. It's a very private thing. But I wanted to ask, what does love mean to you? Hmm, that's a good question. What does love mean to me? Love to me um, means acceptance and unconditional support. Why would you say unconditional support? Uh, Have you had a lot of conditional support? um, Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's a good way to put it. So once you realize that there is love that could give you unconditional support and just accept you the way you are and help you grow, I guess that is incredible love. So love basically encompasses for me the idea of I'm here with you, not to save you. I'm here to love you just the way you are and to make you realize that you should love yourself every day more and more because you deserve it. And I'm helping you grow into the best version of yourself as you are helping me do the same. So that's, I guess, what love is for me. Do you feel lonely? Um, Sometimes, yeah. Hmm. 
Do I look like a lonely person? <laughs> no. I just read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, um, I like to be alone, like in my own four wall space a lot, but I also don't like to be alone. So it's just, uh, I find myself sometimes distracting like myself and having this need to go out and to just be with, around people just that I don't sit alone. And then sometimes I get so suffocated that I just need a week of <laughs> being by myself. What are you afraid of? Not living up to the potential. Yeah, but because it sounds horrible when I say it in my head, but not living up to the success that I see for myself. What do you see for yourself? Um, I want to, I definitely want to be an international actor and I want to act in Hollywood. This has always been like a very big thing for me. So I want to be a, a female Egyptian in the Hollywood industry because we don't have any representation there from Egypt, like females, yeah. we only have uh, males. Why is the charity organization so important for you at a very young age? People do that shit when they're like 50 <laughs> or 60, but you started early and it's like, I really want to do this. And I yeah. saw something five years ago, maybe you mentioning it. Yeah. Um, it's something my mom taught me. My mom has a huge heart. She's such a giver. And uh, uh, this is something that she instilled in me that whenever you're happy, she'd always tell me, she'd like always, always tell me this. Tara, whenever you're happy, make someone else happy. And your happiness is going to be doubled. Mm. So whenever I uh, get a big paycheck, whenever I get a good gig, whenever I'm being fulfilled uh, in, in a certain uh area of my life, I feel that I should give back because only by giving back does the full circle get, like it gets to be mm. a full circle. So you give, you get more, you give because uh, the per like this opportunity that came to you, you should share. feel, yeah, the urge to share your happiness. When I said people do that shit, I didn't mean... Charity is shit. I, I, I do appreciate. Um, I had my three years of uh, working with children and definitely was um, the most rewarding corporate job I've had. Fantastic. What yeah. is your charity focused on? Um, I, I have a charity, but it's not fully functioning. So okay, soon, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I used to work with like this, like I have a charity called Help From Your Heart. But now we're just like in a halt process because I need to finish all the papers, I need to register it and all that. So it was just a name for this group of friends that I had where we collect, uh, we collect donations for a specific cause. For instance, if a woman needs a wheelchair because she can't get to her work, we don't give her money, but we collect money from sponsors or from friends or from families to get her that wheelchair so she could go to work and commute. If a person needs a little shop so that he can work and uh, get money and finance his family, um, 
I and my group of friends, my mom, family members, okay. friends, relatives, and like anyone around me, we collect money to buy that specific place and give it to that person. So it was like a very Simple and nice, yeah. yeah. And I had T-shirts with the logos and stuff. But now yeah. I as much as try to like go to different organizations and do things like mm. separately. Best moment in your life. Best moment in mm. my life. That's really hard. I don't know. These questions like, what's the best moment? What's the worst moment? I don't know. Um, I really have no idea. What comes to mind? It's always career-oriented, honestly. So I'm trying to think of something... There are several. Like, give me one. Give you one. Okay, wait. <laughs> multiple <laughs> choice. Yeah, multiple choice question. Um, Yalla. Oh, Anas, this is really hard. I don't know. I don't no know. No best moments in your life? No, I have no idea. First gig, first that, first gift, first kiss. Oh, I remember now a mm. good moment. Okay. <laughs> I remember. Um, it was when I was able uh, to get a highest achiever award in my school for like the best grades throughout the entire year so and doing deal, like yeah. three series. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very proud of myself that I was able to do both school and work and juggle it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> that is we'll very, take that. We'll take Worst it moment. Worst moment. Um, this really bad incident that uh, happened at school when I like bully related. Tell me. It's a very, now that I look at it, it's a silly incident, but back then it was, I don't know if it was traumatizing or if it was just plain. What was it? <laughs> it we were in high school, but uh, I was in this dance and um, a group of girls, I can't exactly understand what happened, but they started writing like horrible curse names all over the school walls so when like Tara and then like horrible words before and after so they were cursing at me uh, I remember it with red all over the walls of the school so I went out of this like gym dance class thing at school and the entire school was breaking and everyone was reading that so it was like the typical scene you see in each and every single high school movie where the kids like running around trying to like erase and remove crying, weeping. Uh, that was not a good moment uh, because I felt completely alone and I felt um, completely disregarded and uh, broken. And the school did nothing about it. They... I don't know, kind of put it under the rug and just continued. And a lot of the people that I thought were my friends were not there with me, were not standing there beside me, were like, oh, it's just ignore it. It's nothing. I don't know. It was, it was a very, for me now, it's like very gloomy and it's very cloudy. I don't exactly, I guess, want to remember the full picture of what Your happened. Your mind blocks it. Yeah, my mind completely blocked it. And 
yeah, I felt that I really don't want to go to school. And it affected my mom, too, because it was, it was, it was hard to see that her daughter is aching and the school didn't really respond to it because yeah. of, like, the school's politics. And I think a lot of Arab schools don't get it also. They don't I don't know the... if it's only Arab schools, but uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Education related to uh, behavior and manners that needs to be instilled and uh, just basic stuff like hmm. don't bully, <laughs> number one. Any regrets? No, 100% no. I yes. think regret is a wasted energy. Do you think you're an open box or a closed box or a half open box or quarter? I guess I'm like a sphere. You can't. You don't know. <laughs> you don't what? You don't know where to open me from. So ah. I'm not really an open, open box or book. I yeah. can tend to deviate from questions, just not to answer a specific question. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. Mm. And I'm. I guess I'm good at it. <laughs> I don't know, but. I can maneuver around a question. You answered fairly decently today, I think. Good. This quite, is quite like direct. Super honest and very open for me. I'm you, surprised. You'd say you'd, you're fragile inside? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, if we had another hour, we'd discover much more. <laughs> I think. Um, what makes you feel valuable? What makes me feel valuable? coming <laughs> okay what makes me feel valuable has been changing over past few years it was my career at one time and if I'm not working I feel that I'm of no value that I'm uh, a person who is just using air and using the resources on this planet and is completely useless mm. so it would I would be in a very dark place if I'm not constantly hustling and working and going from a place to the other. Uh, then I realized that I can't go on like that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get burnt, like burnt out because it really hurts to put your uh, value in your career mm. because I should not see myself as the milestones that I reach or I should not value myself only because I'm successful. I should value myself because I'm kind, because I uh, appreciate goodness. I appreciate when someone is being good and I do want to do good. So I guess uh, the thing that I value about myself the most is that I'm constantly eager to learn. Like, I always love to learn more. I always love to be more aware. I value that in me because I think it's a good thing to have, mm. to be able to uh, retract and then learn from that and grow. So I always, always see growth. Okay. I'll say this before I end. Go on. I don't know you. But I'm proud of you. Thank you. In my own manner. Because you're young, but you're curious. 
and you want to change and you want to evolve. And I think it's very rare. It's very rare for people to face who they are in that mirror. It's so easy to deny. It's so easy to divert or get distracted. But you, it's fucking scary. Like, I feel for you. Like, I feel you're terrified, not only scared, but when you, you look at the mirror or you just sit with yourself and you have all of these conflicting thoughts about who you are, your achievements say one thing about you, but your inner voice is saying sometimes something different or supportive or against or dieting an achievement. So the achievement is a 10 out of 10 to make it four. But to, to maneuver through that and to say, you know what? No, I need to figure this out. I need to read. I need to listen to a podcast. I need to face it. Something to be proud of, I think. It is. So I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Last one. Go on. Tara in one word. Tara in one word? Yeah. Your questions are like so hard. <laughs> okay. Genuine. Genuine. Yeah. If I continued, I would have made you cry, I think. Oh, would it? I don't know. And the last question. Would it? <laughs> but I, I like the answer. And thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs>